Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host, and we're fortunate enough today to have an expert coming to us from the UK. Uh, Dr. Abiyadi is a founder or the founder of MyClinic.com. So I want to welcome you to the Great American Senior Show. Uh, You're so far one of our most uh, furthest reach for a guest, and uh, I'm quite proud to have you on the show today. That's a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, Sam. Tell me about your background before we take a look at what it is that you're doing. So I am a... uh family doctor, a general practitioner, we say here in the UK, so family physician. Um, And I've been a doctor since 2011. Uh, During my journey of training to be a doctor, I also was an ears, nose, throat surgeon. And I was also an ER doctor, or we refer to them as accident and emergency doctors. And during my uh, career, um, I've had many experiences in the kind of digital tech world and trying to merge those into healthcare and seeing where I can help. Um, I've also had a few leadership roles uh, and I'm currently the chair of the Royal College of General Practitioners in the Yorkshire faculty, which is the north of uh, England, where, where I reside at the moment. It sounds like uh, all the right ingredients to come together to create myclinic.com. Give us that concept, of that, an overview from a, uh, a standpoint of a portion of our audience is going to be uh, within the medical community first. Yeah, so so myclinic.com is a standalone telemedicine uh, solution, which we promoted really from March last year till now. Um, And it's essentially, it came to fruit by itself because our original company is called Medical Chain, where we empower patients to have access to their own medical records. You find a lot of patients these days are referring to Google, to Google their symptoms. And speaking frankly as a clinician you know sometimes they get it right you know the patients say i checked the internet and i think it's gout and i'll tell the patient yes you're right it is gout have you looked at what your options are so on this premise we've really tried pushing the boat out with making sure patients are the conduit taking their clinical information with them from appointment to appointment and the way to do that is to empower them to have access to the medical records on that journey we realized that the telemedicine element is a really important journey to have because if you're going to communicate with a clinician you've never met before you want to see them face to face and you want to share your records with them live during that consultation this was meant to be a module part of the medical chain platform but with the covid pandemic that happened we built enough to make it a standalone solution so we released it as soon as we could in march 2020 and I'm, i'm grateful to say it's been used in over 78 countries around the world and it's made a great difference to a lot of people's lives from that vantage point, uh, you actually uh, waded into this uh, during pandemic. Was and, and I don't mean it from a, a loss of life uh, perspective, certainly, but was the timing extremely good to start this type of business? Yes, I think um, there's already been a lot of rumblings in the kind of health tech world for the past three to five years. And you can see the amount of funding which has gone into health tech has really skyrocketed. I think COVID-19, you know, lit, lit the match paper, you know, really took things off and less so from a kind of, um, you know, this is going to make big money very quickly, but more from the kind of, you know, the 
bureaucracy which surrounds healthcare, people are now listening. They now realize that there must be other ways of doing things. There are better ways of doing things. So it's made our conversations a lot easier to have as people recognize the need for it. And I think as the pandemic is starting to come under control internationally, certainly within the UK, we've opened up again. It's okay to, to hug somebody and you can go back to restaurants. Um, it's about taking those learnings and not falling into bad habits like we had before. I could give a little perspective as, as we were talking prior to the program uh, based on my background in marketing uh, within the urgent care sector and actually uh, implementing a business plan in, uh, in the pre-launch for uh, America's Best Urgent Care with uh, plans to branch throughout the United States and uh, actually into uh, some offshore locations. The, the biggest thing for a uh, a practitioner to to realize, as from our perspective, was that we're seeing a shortage of, of general physicians, that uh, we're just not here in the United States. And I have uh, looked at some of the uh, statistics from around the world. Physicians, general pr- physicians, simply are in short supply. So in essence, you're providing a multiplier that's beneficial to the patient. Yes, I'd like to think so. I mean, it's not um, unique to the U.S. market. Um, internationally, there's a lot of areas where they are lacking in a, what we'd refer to as a primary care service, yes. and we'd refer to our hospital colleagues as a secondary care service. So places in the Middle East, especially in the Far East and China, um, you know, they have a very uh, top-heavy system where the patient might be feeling tired all of the time, so they've gone to see an endocrinologist to do with hormones, or they've got a headache, so they've gone to see a neurosurgeon for a headache. And this is really inappropriate for the patients, a waste of their funds and a waste of their time because the general physician could do some simple blood tests to rule out reasons for fatigue and the um, cost to seeing such a specialist such as a neurosurgeon for a headache, it's way down the line and something which I can say in general practice, rarely does a patient ever need a neurosurgeon's opinion for a headache that's been going on for a while. So I think to, to try to get more bang for your buck as a country, as a service, as how much you're spending on your GDP. It is important to really push primary care services, family physicians, and the telemedicine element is a great way of doing that because a lot of the consultations can be done without a physical examination as a starting point. If uh, anyone listening to this right now, uh, if you're ever in a situation where uh, you feel that your medical condition is a life and death scenario, this is not necessarily for you. Uh, you need to see someone right away. Uh, here in the U.S., it's called 911. In, in, uh, in the U.K., you also have that opportunity to, to get that immediate medical attention. Yes, you would call 999 and uh, immediately you'd be assessed. I mean, even when I've called 999 in the past on behalf of a patient, uh, you know, they're, they're very professional. The first questions are, is the patient conscious? Is the patient breathing? So they, they really are an emergency line that get down to it immediately and will send out a paramedic or an ambulance immediately to that um, area. Again, it comes down to resources and COVID has really tested us as a country and our capacity to answer those kind of calls. And the burden is now on the family physicians to clear the massive backlogs that we have as well from, from what's happened so far. We have certainly seen creation of scenarios where those who needed attention, maybe for something that was a moderate situation, has been put off, put off, put off. And now uh, many of those scenarios are 
reaching a critical point. Are you seeing the same thing in the UK? Yes, and unfortunately, it is the senior population which suffers the most because a lot of their conditions don't necessarily fall within the urgent category, but they have chronic ailments such as osteoarthritis is a very common one. And you've been through the painkillers, you've been through the physiotherapy, you've been through the steroid injections, and you just need a hip replacement now. It's having a massive impact on your life. You can't walk, you can't swim, you can't enjoy time with the grandchildren, you can't travel. And the wait times to get something like that is over a year now in the National Health Service. So it is a real challenge. And unfortunately, it does affect a proportion of the population, which has always been, from personal experience, much more patient than others. So when somebody from the senior community is telling you, look, I think it's, I've waited long enough, you know things are quite bad. I want to pause for a moment on that senior uh, community. Uh, if a year ago you had the opportunity to tell me that people would be very receptive to telemedicine, I would say, yes, maybe a, a segment of the population. Telemedicine, thanks to uh, the pandemic and COVID, has become more of a mainstay within the medical community. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yes, I would say so. I would say so. I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions about the senior population as well. So my, my, my parents will be in their 70s. And, you know, unfortunately, as I, as I alluded to earlier, you know, it took the COVID pandemic to make people sit up and realize that they can't block this kind of technology anymore. And it's the bureaucracy which has been blocking it. The technology has been running fine for years. And people, a, a common throwaway comment will be, well, older people don't know how to use it, so we don't need to deploy it. And, and I think nothing could be further from the truth. You know, my parents, as soon as you showed them WhatsApp and how they could see videos or photos of the grandchildren or send voice messages, or they've been getting letters in the post and they want your help in replying or, or sorting out bills, they know very well how to use messaging services such as that. And the telemedicine has been the same as well. Let's take a look at the technology. I know that uh, over the past uh, year to two years, our technology has embraced 5G. And if there was a, a problem that many practitioners looked at as far as uh, the, the, the telemedicine aspect, it was latency. Uh, and for you, you fully understand latency. For those who may not understand latency, I always describe it as thunder and lightning. With thunder and lightning, seeing the lightning, then you hear the thunder describes latency. They don't necessarily happen at the same time. What we are doing now with 5G is making that a very close lightning strike you hear and see almost instantaneously. And that's a, a good description of 5G with micro latency. That's extremely beneficial in the medical field. Yes, certainly. I mean, from a telemedicine element, it can improve the quality of the communication um, because there, there can be buffering issues depending on what kind of software system you're using. You know, so I'm, I'm proud to say my clinic doesn't suffer with those kind of uh, issues. And we're one of the best uh, for video quality. However, the kind of latency or the 5G element is more when you are trying to send large volumes of data over to remote sites. So, for example, I have my um, colleague Nadine, who is a plastic surgeon in the UK, and she's created a company called Proximy. And that does fantastic things over large distances. So you'll have an operating room in one country and you'll have 
surgeon in another country coordinating those surgeons in that operating room, even though they're, they're thousands of miles apart from each other. And because of how good the technology is, there, there's very little latency there, as you, as you accurately described. So when the doctor is moving their hand, it's actually moving something else on the other side as well. So there are, there are definitely huge uses for this. Um, and it's a case of really trying to always be ahead of the curve. So you don't need to build your solution based on what the current infrastructure is. You build your solution with the view to what the infrastructure will be in the very near future. Absolutely. And, and I, I give you credit, uh, not too many within the, the practice and medical field uh, actually grasp that. It's more of a here now. And in reality, uh, those who are going to be the leaders look to chess moves ahead and, uh, and move in that direction. For those who are interested, uh, let, let's create a scenario. I'm here in the United States. I have an urgent care practice. I am looking at a spoken wheel uh, procedure where I really don't want to necessarily build or lease a large facility to serve all of the communities that I want to bring into uh, my care. How would we set up, for example, a kiosk in a community and use what you are offering uh, to, to serve that, that particular segment? And then after that, what is the, the cost to a, uh, a, an urgent care clinic, for example? Yes, I think, I think America is ahead of the game, really, on this kind of uh, premise, where the delivery of healthcare has moved away from a fixed building position uh, with large overheads and has moved towards more remote uh, clinical areas, if you will. Or, or to put it more simply, you go to where the patients are rather than you bring the patients to where you are. Yes. And an example, example of this is Walmart um, have been doing this for some time now where they do have some health kiosks and you can do some patient observations there and there, then on the spot. I think the benefit of doing that is there are lots of remote monitoring devices. So you can ask the patient to interact with a pulse oximeter, with a, a digital stethoscope, with a blood pressure cuff. And you can do a video consultation at the same time with a clinician who doesn't have to be there, who's able to engage with all these different kiosks around the city or around around the country, and you can deliver a much more efficient level of care there. From a cost standpoint, is it more cost effective to go with your system? I think so, because there's multiple savings here. So one saving is is for the environment. So you're not having patients drive for hours to get to an appointment trying to find a parking space trying then sitting in a waiting room waiting 20 minutes to speak to a clinician for a 10 minute appointment to then drive home so you've really saved the cost that the patient is there and then in the building the supermarket wherever they may be or even in their home environment you're saving a cost from the clinical perspective because the clinician can manage many patients in different locations and is not needing to travel to all of them you're then further saving another cost because the doctor or the very specialized nurse is able to triage these patients. So there will be some cases where it becomes very clear at the beginning of the call, look, you do actually need to see somebody face to face. There's, there's too many unanswered questions here or you need some blood tests. And that would be a lot more efficient than sending all the patients to somebody face to face when a lot of them could be managed remotely with, with a bit of advice and maybe some simple readings from the remote monitoring devices. Doctor, I want to thank you for being with us today. And it is something that is now in the forefront that anyone who has had any experience 
within uh, the medical community, both as a provider or as a patient, we're now familiar with telemedicine. And my clinic, myclinic.com, has solutions that seem to fit into both of those categories. And I certainly want to wish you lots of luck in it. And uh, in addition to luck, I know that uh, the skill set is there. So one question for you. Will you keep us posted on your progress and come back for another show? Yes, I'd, uh, I'd absolutely love to. I mean, we, we are working very hard to make both clinicians and patients aware of what we're doing with MyClinic. And we've also written an ebook, uh, which you can download for free from our website, which tells you the simple golden steps to how to deploy and deliver a telemedicine service. So if you've never thought about doing it before, you're a clinician in the occupational field, physiotherapy field, medical field, pharmaceutical field, wherever you may be, if you want to deploy and deliver a, a telemedicine service, I would implore you to download our free ebook from myclinic.com. All right. Thank you very much for being on the Great American Senior Show today. I'm Sam Yates, and that's the way our program ends. 